May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning. I can remember it well. My fifth grade year, both in elementary school as well as in the children's ministry at the church I was attending at the time, had arrived. And if I'm honest with you, I was at a point in life where I was just past it all. I was bored with being a fifth grader, in other words. I had been at a very small private Episcopal school with a class of 12 and all the same teachers. Uh, we didn't even have to rotate rooms. And I was ready to move on into public school, middle school, much bigger, uh, new group of people, new group of teachers, just something new. It was that way as well with the children's ministry Sunday school classes. It just seemed like we had been singing all all the same little kid songs, all the lessons and the crafts and the games we would play, it was, nothing was new. And I would oftentimes, during the Sunday school lesson, my eyes would not listen to what I was hearing, and I might, they would catch the room across the way where the youth group and the older kids were. And I would just watch, hear what they were learning, and watch what kind of fun they were having. And I got to the point where I said, I'm done. With fifth grade, even though I had a whole year to go, and I just wanted to be where those older kids were. So I would build up the courage, work on my plea and my, and my argument, and I would go up to the youth pastor at the time, and I would ask him, I think I've been a good boy uh, most of the time, and I think I deserve it. Could I, mind you, there were 35 other kids that were fifth graders, so I was asking for special treatment. And in that ask, I would say, they can all stay behind, but could I get some special favor and go and be with the older kids? Of course, the answer would be, no, son, you are not special. And you have to wait just like everybody else until it is your time to be in the youth group. At that point in my life, as well as several other points in life, I would know what it was like to feel like being on the outside looking in. Well, it, it is that very theme that will take us directly into the heart of the gospel that Father Joe just read for us. This is the story of the Canaanite woman and, he, and her encounter with Jesus and the disciples. Contextually, Jesus has just come from this very exhausting debate and conflict with the scribes and Pharisees over some ritual and traditional practice. And he has kind of turned that on its head, and the people he was debating with aren't very happy with him for doing that. So Jesus and the disciples, they reach a point where they're like, you know, let's get out of town for a little bit. And they actually head to a foreign country. This is one of the only two times in all of recorded scripture that Jesus has gone to a foreign country. Once when he was much younger, he would travel to Egypt. As we hear, as our gospel opens up today, he and the disciples have traveled to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And they meet this Canaanite woman showing us they had, they had left that land of Israel and headed to the land of the Gentiles, which is uh, the area they're in is modern day Lebanon today. And they have this encounter with this Canaanite woman. What I want to do is look at her journey of faith across our gospel today. 
we're going to look at how her faith was awakened. And we're going to look at how her faith was definitely tested and how persevering through it all what she found through this journey of faith. So let's look first at how. What was it that awakened her faith? We hear that as Jesus and the disciples are out and about one day, this woman just comes on the scene out of the blue. And she says, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. For my daughter is tormented with a, with a demon. Something in that daughter's life. Something spiritually, emotionally, even physically or psychologically that she has been dealing with, maybe suffering through for several years of her life. And this Canaanite woman, being a loving mother, seems like is losing her hope. And she has exhausted everything available to her and within her, trying to just find something to help her daughter through this suffering in which she is going through and which she finds herself. She has begun to hear about this Jewish Messiah. And she gets it within herself. Her faith begins to awaken. If you know the natural dividing line between the Jews and the Gentiles, she, she's got her last straw. She's down to it, and she comes up with a plan to go to the Jewish Messiah, herself being a Gentile woman, and to plead her case and to ask for help for her daughter. This circumstance that they had both been suffering to awakens her faith. Well, in her coming to Jesus, in that moment of that plea and asking, it seems like she is met with what if you look like and what you, if you look at it on the surface level and what you heard Father Joe read, it seems like Jesus and the disciples are being kind of harsh. And you really might start to think to yourself, what is going on here? But as we get to, there's something much deeper underneath it all. So it, as she approaches with this faith awakened, with this dilemma in which she finds herself, she asks that first of Jesus, have mercy on me, for my daughter is being tormented by a demon. And the NRSV translation we have in front of us says that Jesus did not answer her at all. Can you imagine you're coming, you know that hostility line that you're not one of the Jews, that you're one of those outsiders looking in, and you approach Jesus hoping, just hoping that your daughter would be healed and you're met with silence. What a kind of test of faith this brings us to. Then as they keep building on one another, it seems like the disciples, they come to Jesus in this silent moment with the woman, and they say, we have more important things to do. Send her on her way. She's been yelling and screaming after us, and we, we just don't want to deal with her. Send her along. Can you imagine if this woman, first, no answer, silence from Jesus. And then she may have overheard the disciples saying, send her along. We have no time, and, and we got more important things to do. It's rejection. Here, Smet silence, rejection, as that begins to become what she, she's feeling the lack of hope from this encounter she was hoping would bring great hope and healing and wholeness of life. It seems like Jesus finally meets her with what at first seems like a rebuke. We hear his answer 
to the disciples when he says, I have only come for the lost sheep of Israel. And then the woman hits her knees. Nowhere else to go. Nowhere else left to turn. In a position and a posture of worship. And she says, Lord, help me. And then more of that kind of seeming confusing, the Lord says, it wouldn't be fair to take the food from the children and give it to the dogs. Did Jesus just call this woman a dog? This is why I say, if you're looking at it on the surface level, there has to be something deeper going on. Jesus is just in this encounter. The woman has fallen to her knees in great desperation and all these tests of faith. She has been met with silence, with rejection, and what seems like rebuke. But look what she finds through all of this. As, Jesus, as she gives that answer to Jesus, she says, But yes, Lord, even us dogs fight for the scraps from the master's table. And it is in Jesus' response that he says, Woman, your faith is great and you and your daughter and the uncleanliness you brought in can now find healing and wholeness of life. What she has found, that scrap, that position in which she finds herself in, that posture of worship where she has nowhere else to turn for hope, she has found the mercy and the grace and the love of Jesus. In that position, something miraculous happens. As she says, yes, Lord, I know who I am. I am a Gentile woman, not under the promises and the covenants of the covenant people, the Jews. I realize my position in life, and yet I realize that you are the only one as the Jewish Messiah that can bring the wholeness of life and the healing that I seek for myself and for my daughter. She found that scrap that she says, I don't need what the Jews need. I realize my position, but your mercy and your grace is all that I need. Can you identify in this story? And if we really look at it and we're serious with ourselves, we all have a place within this story. We all know, and if you don't, you will, whenever life rears its ugly head and brings us to one of those ugly circumstances in which faith can awaken in our hearts. And I pray that we know, we probably all know what testing of faith looks like. As you're in that moment of life, whatever it be, and you're on your knees praying to God for an answer, have you ever thought he wasn't there or that he met you with silence? And one, there's one of two things happening if you have experienced that moment. One, either God is answering that prayer with a no, you don't need it, and I know best for you. Or if you're like the woman in our story today, that silence is a drawing out the deep well of faith that resides in you as a child of God. That's what was going on with the woman through all of these tests. And it happens for us as well. That we go through these tests of faith with having deep heart and a deep well of faith that would grow and mature to get us through these circumstances in life with Christ by our side. Have you, much? there's those moments of silence and then there's that rejection and that opposition that the woman finds from the disciples. 
Have you had somebody, when you have been in a moment where you ask for help and you have a great plea, and somebody even on the outside of the church or somebody that's in the church, like the disciples walking with Jesus, meets you with rejection and scorn? Or there's the other side of that coin. Have you been one of the people like the disciples that have said in somebody in a moment of need, send them away. We do not have time for them. Look at the test of faith within moments such as those that draw your heart of faith out and grow it and mature it. And then there's the rebuke that it's seeming like he's saying to the woman, but this is where something profound Theologically profound happens. The woman has said, I know I'm a Gentile in the dividing lines between the Jews and the Gentiles, but you are the only one that can bring the type of help that I need. In that moment, it's one of the first marks in Scripture where that dividing line of hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles is going to be removed. And that the universal invitation of the gospel now goes out to all peoples. What a beautiful moment. And what do we find as our faith is being drawn out through tests of faith, just like the woman, we found that we, as those that were once unclean, have now been brought to the inside. We were once on the outside, and now, just like the woman and the daughter, we have been brought to the inner circle of relationship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit to experience similar wholeness of life, to experience healing, to experience what the resurrection life actually looks like. Some of those scraps, we get the mercy. We get the grace. And it is what we need in this life. It is by grace through faith that we receive this. All glory, praise, and honor be to our Lord and Savior who makes this type of growing faith possible for us all. Amen.